Hello and welcome to Unboss. I'm your host, Nina Turner. I am so glad you're all here with me today. If you're a regular viewer, you might be saying, what is that background? Is it new? Is it different? I am actually on the road, but I am here and so glad that you are too. And on today's show, turns out that Republican states could be hit the hardest by Leader McCarthy's proposed spending cuts. Then Senator Susan Collins helps sink hopes of replacing Diane or Senator Diane Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee. We're going deep into that. And later in the show, photos surface showing kids as young as six years old, if you can believe that. Yes, I said six years old handling guns at the NRA's annual meeting. Sounds like grooming to me, we're going deep. Now don't forget to subscribe and to share this link. If you are a regular viewer, you know we love you boo. Thank you so much for being here today, but don't keep all this goodness to yourself. Go ahead, phone a friend, text a friend, send a message in the bottle. And today we are joined by Benny Carrillo and she is a contributor for the breakdown. Benny, so good to have you in the house. Thanks, good to be back. Oh, so glad, but we got a lot to cover today. So we're gonna get right to it. Kevin McCarthy is doing what he does best, feeding the corporate machine. Watch this. A debt ceiling is like giving your child a credit card and they charge the limit all the way up. Would you just raise the limit? No, you well, would sit Well, if it meant playing with America standing at faith, full faith and credit of U.S. government debt, but if, I feel if like you, you can deal with the spending in other ways, oh, which really? is totally so, legitimate. So if you just raise the debt ceiling, do you think $31 trillion of debt, the CBO has come out in the next 10 years, do you know we'll pay 10.5? You did it three we'll times in the Trump 10, administration. As we did economic changes. We never raised the debt ceiling by but itself. But the tax cuts, that was like $2 trillion and you deficit. Know what, and you it was really nice, sisters and brothers, family and friends, to see that reporter go back at Kevin McCarthy on his BS. But that was him, Leader McCarthy, speaking to CNBC on Monday, trying to justify the proposed spending cuts. Now, McCarthy is spewing this nonsense as he battles with President Biden's administration and Democrats over the debt ceiling. But this is what the Republicans do on a regular basis. They only want to battle about the debt ceiling when it comes to what Democrats are doing. They don't battle with the debt ceiling when it comes to Republicans. So Speaker Kevin McCarthy said House Republicans will vote in the coming weeks on legislation to raise the debt ceiling, but only one year and tied to spending cuts. Surprise, surprise, surprise. No surprise there. And Biden and McCarthy met 75 days ago on February 1st. But the two leaders have not met or spoken about the debt ceiling since beyond trading claims to reporters. The president has not budgeted on his refusal to negotiate on or budged, excuse me, on his refusal to negotiate over the debt limit and has dismissed GOP efforts to combine a debt ceiling vote to a deal on the budget. So what are these cuts? Inquiring minds want to know, so glad you asked. Let's take a look. Republicans also want to attach policy priorities, including imposing work requirements to recipients of government aid and would result in cuts to benefit programs in the federal safety net for poorer Americans. This reporting is coming from the Associated Press. 
But here was McCarthy spewing about those work requirements while visiting Wall Street. Watch. Our proposal will also restore work requirements that ensure abled body adults without dependents earn a paycheck and learn new skills. That will grow our economy and help the supply chain. Right now, there are more job openings than people who are looking for jobs. You know why? It's in part because the Biden administration weakened work requirements. Incentives matter. And the incentives today are out of whack. It's time to get Americans back to work. My, 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 my. Speaker McCarthy making this like really, really simple. Where are the requirements for the corporations and the CEOs that are at the government trough over and over again? They had nothing to say about those people. So where were the work requirements when we bailed out the bank? Inquiring mind or the banks, we should say, inquiring minds want to know, or the tax cuts that we gave to the ultra wealthy. Were there any work requirements for them? Were there any commitments that those folks had to make to the American people? No, they were nowhere to be found. And then Rep. Don Beyer tweeted the following Kevin McCarthy passed a $1.9 trillion tax cut for the rich that wasn't paid for. A quarter of our national debt was accrued accrued under Trump and McCarthy had a key role. He helped Trump raise the debt limit three times with no demands. He can raise the debt limit anytime he should. Go ahead on Representative Bayers, lay it on them. Let them know what the truth is, right? So I'm really, again, you know, Benny, I was really glad to see that CNBC reporter pushed back on Speaker McCarthy and really glad to see what Rep. Bayer had to say. Just lay it out. They they are one track minded and they only want to hurt the poor and the working poor in this country. Those are the only groups of people they want to put requirements on. But the corporations can do whatever they want to do on the backs of the taxpayers, the American people. Yeah, most definitely. And there's a reason why giant companies love work requirements for programs like this because it allows them to operate in a space where they have a hyper exploitable group of people that are never allowed to make over a certain amount of money. Otherwise, they would lose those benefits. So these are people who are not going to ask for higher wages, but they are desperately afraid of losing their job out of fear of losing those benefits. And it really just puts workers in an impossible situation where quite literally asking for a raise could threaten different types of benefits that they have. And then on top of that, there's just the reality that these are the same people that complain when unemployment is too low because golly gee, if it's difficult to find workers, if it's difficult to find workers, then they might have to increase wages. And so they actually sit around and complain about wages being too low. And then if you look at the people that are actually hit by this, you start to realize that like across the country, that across the country, a lot of people living in red states are the people that hit the worst by this. And so like fundamentally, you'd think that it'd be undermining their own voting base. But ultimately, it is all about, it is all about like exploiting a already hyper exploited group of people. Yeah, that is so true. And they really don't care about hurting their own voters. They really don't care, Benny, because you 
we both know and the people viewing with us know too, there are poor people, they're working poor people, they're barely middle class people all over the country. Those people don't just live in so called blue states, they live all over the United States of America. And these Republicans especially, and we know Democrats do the same thing because when you have neoliberals and these neo fascists, they answer to the same masters. In this case, in this case, it is very clear that the Republicans absolutely do not care about working class people in this country. And they demonize poor people. And that, that is my problem here, you know, painting poor people as somehow undeserving. But meanwhile, corporate welfare, these wealthy people are deserving. It just it makes no sense to me. And trying to turn each you know Americans against each other is wrong. Is what they do really well. And we do know that McCarthy's cuts would hurt GOP states because it is obvious that poor and working class people live everywhere. McCarthy is so ready to cut vital programs for low income Americans while boosting the pockets of the rich. Make no mistake about this, America. This is what is happening. That he's willing to sacrifice his own voters, as Benny and I were talking about in the process. So this is according to an analysis by Roy Tears. Analysis of federal spending data indicates that his proposed domestic spending caps could be felt most acutely in the states that back Republican President Donald J. Trump in the 2020 presidential election. Those 25 states received roughly 172 billion in the last fiscal year for highway construction, housing, public health and other purposes amounting to about $1,196 per person. The 25 states plus the District of Columbia that backed Democrat Joe Biden received 205 billion or a little over $1,000 per person and thank Rutgers for this reporting. And those pesky work requirements that he keeps bringing up. Well, McCarthy also proposed stiffening, if you can believe that, work requirements for benefits like SNAP, which provide grocery money for low income people. That likewise could hit Republican leaning states harder by 3.1% of the population in those states could lose benefits compared to 2.8% of residents in Biden states. And you know what, Benny, you know, as we close out this segment, I don't even like talking about this kind of stuff based on who's in a red state and who's in a blue state. This is about people who are suffering in this country and they need some relief. And it always boggles my mind, I mean, to the point of WTF for real. Why is it that when it comes to giving relief or a hand up, to poor and working class people in this country, they gotta prove themselves worthy. You know what I mean? Because this is whose life is worthy. But then these ultra, ultra wealthy people and corporations don't have to prove that they're worthy because by default, because they're moneyed, they're worthy. Like there is something wrong with the American psyche when it comes to that. Benny, your thoughts on this? No, 100%. Our entire economy is fundamentally dehumanizing. I mean, seriously, how many times have you heard the phrase earn a living? What do you mean earn a living? If you're a human being, you are deserving of basic necessities like housing, healthcare, food. Like call me a radical communist or whatever, but like I think food stamps should be a universal program. I think everybody should have a guaranteed minimum required to like 
put food on your table. And yeah, the whole red state, blue state thing is really, really frustrating because you have a lot of like liberals who are go around, go around and, and blame voters and say like, oh, what about the voters of like Tennessee or whatever? Look at this is what they're voting for. Except yeah. for it's not what they're voting for because something around 8% of the entire voting age population of I think Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi are literally denied the right to vote due to prior felony voting laws, right? And so there's a huge segment of the population that are entirely disenfranchised. And that is just speaks to the extreme degree with which we are dehumanizing people at a fundamental level. Oh, totally agreed on that, Benny. Oh my God, we have to do better. And to me, at some point, and I say this over and over again to people who watch this regularly, we have to stop participating in our own being complicit, you know, really in our own demise here. And your point about how some neoliberals would do, they did that with East Palestine too, as you know. You know, you had people like Joy Bayer. A Behar Bear and uh, and other like some elected. She's not elected. She's on the View, but just really saying that the people of East Palestine don't deserve any relief from the federal government because they voted overwhelmingly for Trump. And I push back on that. And I'll continue to push back on that because there's a certain level of humanity that we must exhibit. That's not based on who's on the so-called red team and who's on the blue team. I'm on the team of the people. And when 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 progressives like us or at least in my estimation, when we fight for universal programs, we're fighting for those programs. If you are a true progressive, you are fighting for those programs for all people, whether they believe in them or not. They don't have to prove that they're worthy of clean air, clean water, clean food, or that they're worthy of healthcare, or that they gotta vote our way to get it. You know, Because if we do think like that, then that makes us no better than the rest of these people. This kind of stuff burns my behind, and it burns my behind greatly. And we're gonna keep talking about this. Republicans, y'all need to step in and get Leader McCarthy. Y'all got poor people and working class people in your states. And those people don't have to prove that they worthy. Are right? they worthy by the virtue that they are alive? And then you're gonna punish children too. Because as you punish adults, and I'm talking about families that have children, I understand every family doesn't have children, but I want y'all to think about that. You punishing adults, you hurting their damn kids too. Lord have mercy on my soul. All right, we going to Senator Susan Collins. She's pulling a Susan Collins on Monday. The senator says she will not support an effort to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee. This now, of course, will sink Democratic hopes of breaking a tie on the panel that has helped Republicans block President Biden's federal judge nominees. I mean, these Republicans are in absolute heaven right now. Collins was the latest Republican senator to express opposition to temporarily replacing Feinstein, a move Democrats were expected to attempt this week via the unanimous consent process, which was always a long shot given that any single senator could sink the efforts. Thank you, Common Dreams, per usual. It now appears highly unlikely that Democrats will be able to get the necessary 60 yes votes for the replacement. A further example of how dysfunctional that Senate is. Who Collins joins in opposition? So glad you asked about the company she keeps. That's Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Thomas Tillis, Senator Marsha Blackburn, and so many others. And these are supposed to be the more moderate cooperative Republicans. And things have been deadlocked 
for a long time. There are currently 58 vacancies. Did y'all know that? 58 vacancies on US district courts and six on circuit courts. According to Demand Justice Chief Counsel Christopher Kang, the American Constitutional Society or Constitution Society noted earlier this month that the Senate has made limited progress on judicial nominations in recent weeks with only three confirmations since March 16th. Now senior writer for the slate, Mark Joseph Stern states it perfectly in this tweet, Feinstein's refusal to retire is currently wrecking Biden's entire judicial agenda. It's erasing the advantage that Senate Democrats gained in 2022. It's grinding confirmations to a halt. It's giving GOP senators even more leverage over noms. The damage here is just astounding. I agree with Mark. He goes on, by refusing to retire, Feinstein is making it impossible for Senate Democrats to push through the kind of diverse and progressive nominees whom Biden championed in his first two years. His track record on nominations is suddenly falling badly behind. This is an absolute disaster. Oh, he's framing it just the way it needs to be framed. And so glad to see people like Representative Rokana come out and make a comment on, on this and not be afraid to say it, even though he's being labeled as a sexist by, by, by Representative Pelosi, which makes no sense to me. Uh, no, he's not sexist by saying, hey, we got to do something about this. And let's just go ahead and fix this thing. And who's losing? The American people are losing. So stop being selfish and let's fix this thing. So shout out to him, I'm glad that he did it. Now you may remember that just last week, Senator Feinstein herself put out this notice. And we're gonna put this notice up just to refresh your memory. When I was first diagnosed with shingles, I expected to return by the end of March. March work period. Unfortunately, my return to Washington has been delayed due to continued complications related to my diagnosis. And people can understand that. I intend to return as soon as possible once my medical team advises that it's safe for me to travel. In the meantime, I remain committed to the job and will continue to work from home in San Francisco. I understand that my absence could delay the important work of the Judiciary Committee. So I've asked Leader Schumer to ask the Senate to allow another Democratic Senator to temporarily serve until I'm able to return or resume my committee work. Now that's what she said. And that's a beautiful thing that she said that. And then you got these Republicans messing around with what she said. Now, but the Senator is 89. And she's single that she has no intention of giving up her Senate seat entirely. Certainly her right to do. Don't want to take away that right to do. But the question becomes what is in the best interest of not only the people she serve, serves in the great state of California, but to the entire United States of America. At a certain point, you got to say whether you're 89 or 29, is what you're doing in the best interest of the people? That's the question. So, Benny, you know your your thoughts, and, and and plus the senator says she's not even running again for re-election. On top of it, so why not? I mean, I wouldn't consider it making a sacrifice. She's had a long, I mean, a long, vibrant career, Benny, in in in, in the United States Senate. We're not talking about somebody that's only served one term, and then she's at a certain stage in her life. And this is not ages to say like she's at a certain stage in her life and she's not running again. 
So why wouldn't she say, you know what? I'm just not feeling well right now. I didn't expect to leave this kind of way. I, I'm not running again. That's the way I want to leave. But as it happens, things are not going the way that I planned. And so since I'm not running again, I'm gonna make this sacrifice. Now maybe I'm asking too. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. Benny, your thoughts? No, I think it's perfectly reasonable. Especially like, look, as a trans woman, I feel this very acutely because right now, what is happening with the federal judiciary is there are a ton of laws that Republicans are trying to push across the country to, in many ways, like ban trans people from public, take away trans people's health care, right? Like stripping away basic rights for queer people. And that is going to be going through the federal court system. That is all going to be going through the federal court system. It currently is. And we need a fully staffed federal judiciary to actually shoot down all of these absolutely unhinged bills that Republicans are trying to push stripping away people's rights. And so fundamentally, unless you are doing everything within your power to make sure that Joe Biden can put as many judges that support trans people as possible in the federal judiciary, then fundamentally, what are we even doing here? You can't say that you support trans people. You can't say you support trans people and do anything to delay this. And like, look, if you're 89, like, I don't know, make your own life decisions. But if I was that old, I would like, by that age, hopefully I'm retired and I can just spend my time with like my family and my friends and my loved ones. And I probably wouldn't be trying to do work, even if there was important work to be done. There's other people that can handle that. Or, you know, just in an advisory role, people don't have to, I, I again, I, I hope I'm blessed enough to live to see 89. So I'm not one to just say, oh, put, because I think we do that to our elders too much. We just try to put them out to pasture. That's not what we're saying here. She's had a very long and vibrant career. She's not running again. Things are happening in her life as it could happen to anybody else. It's just to ask your question. And that's why I said, is if you're 29 or 89, there comes a time where you got to make a decision. Because, you know, Benny, we know sickness can hit anybody. Babies die, unfortunately. You know, young young people die, babies die. People die. It's a it's a matter of life. And I'm oh, please, I'm not saying that the senator is about to die. I'm using that as an example just to say that it is vitally important for her, in my opinion, to put the Senate and the country first. And the extra dynamic is that she's already decided not to run again. You know, so she could just gift this and say, hey, I want to do what's in the best interest. I think minimally the fact that she said, look, temporarily put somebody there is a good start and the Republicans are not doing it. But come on, Senator Feinstein, come on, come on, baby. Come on, I think this is a little selfish to me, but that's me. I just how I feel about it. Oh, for our viewers, we would love, Benny and I would love your comments on this or anything else you want to talk about. All right, we're going to give you an opportunity to put your comments in. We're going to collect those. We'll be back. After this. Welcome back to the show. Oh, my favorite part is right here, right now, and that is viewer comments. So we're gonna start with our TYT member, Speed Racer. Hey, Speed Racer, baby. The people's senator is back. Oh, thank you, Speed Racer. That means a lot to me, and I'm I'm so happy. Uh, to be back. I had some travel hiccups, but hey, I am here and blessed nevertheless. So thank you, Speed Racer. That means a lot to me. And on Twitch, Overseer Dixon. Hey, Overseer Dixon in the house. Benny, so glad to see you there in all exclamation points. 
It's a beautiful thing. And on YouTube, Super Chat Gordon. Hello, Gordon. Greetings, Senator Turner and friends of Senator Turner. I love spending this hour with you. So many heartbeats beating in synchronicity. Oh, that is a beautiful word, synchronicity. I like that. So much love here. Love is what keeps people alive. Uh, thank you for that, Gordon. Absolutely, I believe that. And thank you so much for your kind words. All right, we go into our next segment here. Georgia Democrats are miffed, baby. I like that word too, miffed by Chicago. Democrats have once again been caught using folks for votes and then caught leaving them in the dust. This time the fight plays out around the decision where they're gonna hold the DNC convention. Southern Democrats are fuming over their party's decision to hold its 2024 national convention in Chicago area instead of the ATL. Yeah, baby, they are miffed about this. Therefore, the move as a slight against a city and a state that helped deliver Democrats, uh, both the White House and the Senate. So baby, they, they probably a little more than this. They probably might as a phone. In the lead up to the decision, Atlanta boasters aggressively, boosters aggressively lobby President Biden and his allies for hosting rights, playing up the city as the cradle of civil rights movement and hammering the importance of Georgia and the South more broadly as a critical immersion emerging battleground for Democrats. Thank you, reporting coming from the Hill. The Democratic National Committee announced on Tuesday, however, that Chicago would host the 2024 gathering, elevating a liberal city near the center of the so-called Blue Wall, states of the upper Midwest, and siding with union leaders who had opposed the ATL as the host site because of Georgia's contentious history with organized labor. And it sounds like Georgia was pretty much blindsided by this decision. Folks, they did not know that this was coming. For months, Atlanta's boosters worked to assure Biden and Democratic officials that the city was prepared for the event. They secured more than $20 million in financial commitments from donors and corporations and leaned heavily on an argument that it was Georgia of course, that handed Democrats their current power in Washington. I mean, hell, if we were trying to get it in Ohio, we would say the same thing. Too bad my state is solidly red. Now we don't even swing no more. We used to swing. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Do wop, do wop, do wop. We don't even swing anymore, y'all. So, you know, for Georgia to say they the center of the universe, I get it. You know, I get it. They saying that. So this seems about right, though. Democrats will rally when the clock is ticking. Down and they need to secure a seat for the presidency. They just kind of kicked the ATL to the curb. But when those communities, often black women, deliver, they show up. Because Democrats are always fond of saying, Black women, you are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Like as me to, you know, somebody just trying to whisper sweet nothings in your ear. They are often forgotten about or not even given the time after that day. What happens? When people are using you. So the reaction from Georgia Dems is not good. Let us put up what some of the Dem Georgia Democrats had to say about this. They were so mad they wanted to cuss. It feels a little bit like a slap in the face. You know, there's a lot that goes into this, hotels and transportations and all that. 
transportation and all that. But there's the symbolism to consider too. And I think it would have been stronger statement to say, hey, Georgia has delivered for us and we're not taking that for granted. Now, Kendra Kyle Cotton, the CEO of the New Georgia Project Action Fund said the following in 2020, and again in 2022, Georgia proved our status as a key battleground state and any candidate, campaign or political party should keep that in mind as we head into next year. Again, making it plain. So imagine y'all, the money this would also have brought into Georgia. This would have been a perfect way to really repay the folks of Georgia. Come on Dems, y'all need to go ahead and get it together. Benny, your thoughts on this? I guess we would call it family infighting here. Yeah, I mean, well, so this is one of those things where it's kind of questionable whether or not it has a huge impact on voters, but it definitely has an impact on, you know, the people that are like working on the campaigns, the people that are involved in the political process of getting people elected. And it is very, it's just kind of embarrassing to like insult in a lot of ways, like the people who are like actually doing the work to help win in Georgia. And so like, is it gonna make a huge difference in terms of electoral outcomes? Maybe yes, maybe no, but what it will do is definitely dampen the spirits of all the people who are working in Georgia to actually make sure that Joe Biden is the president today. And that's a pretty big deal, at least for me as a trans person. I don't know, Republicans are trying to criminalize my existence. So big thank you to the people that made that happen. And so like, this is just one of those things where like fundamentally, it's for the people that put in the work. And we should be celebrating the people that put in the work, right? Illinois is gonna stay a blue state forever. You could have any Democratic convention there any year, probably for the next 100 years. I don't see Illinois becoming a red state. And so this is just seems like a really big missed opportunity in my opinion, especially to just give a shout out to the people who put in a lot of work. Yeah, that really is a, a very great point. Come on, Dems. Y'all can do better. Y'all to piss these people off. And I love your point about to the average voter, this doesn't matter. This is inside baseball here. But to the people who rally around the party who are true believers, this does matter to them. So we'll see what will happen. If you can imagine, Benny and I are now leaving Georgia and we're going to the NRA, the National Rifle Association Bullies and Thugs, because that's what they are. If you can imagine the NRA is getting worse and more out of control, take a look. Little Miss Addie, who is almost two, and Branch, who's just a few months old, they have brought us so much joy. They brought us purpose. Now, Addie, who, you know, soon will need them, I want to reassure you, she already has a shotgun and she already has a rifle. And she's got a little pony named Sparkles, too, so the girl is set up. What in the hell? I sighed deeply, two year old, got a gun. And this lady is just sitting up here talking about this like it is normal. What in the actual hell, all right? That was South Dakota Governor Christy Nome speaking at the NRA's Institute for Legislative Action Leadership Forum over the weekend. The convention was held in Indianapolis. The whole event was a total nightmare. Check out this headline from Business Insider. Photos show kids as young as six years old handling guns at the NRA's annual meeting. 
Gun violence is the leading cause of death among children. And check out this tweet right here from Sharon Watts, a gun control activist and founder of Moms Demand Action. Photos of children handling guns at the NRA's annual meeting in Indianapolis this weekend by Evelyn Pick at Reuters. Gun violence is now the leading cause of death of children in America. And now I want to see if I don't know if team could put that up, put Benny and I side by side. But I, I got a whole ass problem with all of this. And you know, these are the same fools that want to talk about grooming. Then what is this? Indoctrination, then what is this? But grooming and indoctrinate, they all right with this kind of indoctrination. Teaching little kids that it's okay to just play really play with guns cuz they don't know what they doing Benny. Them kids don't know what they doing. Your thoughts? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, literally, okay, the Republican Party is just absolutely fueled by an unhinged white supremacist bloodthirst. Like, let's just like call it what it is. That's why you have a story just a couple days ago of a young man literally getting shot because he accidentally went to the wrong address trying to pick up his little brother. That's why a woman in like Pennsylvania, I think, was shot because she pulled up in the wrong driveway by accident. Like yeah. fundamentally, yeah. Like these people are like deranged. They are they are paranoid. They think that they're all John Rambo, that everybody's out to get them. They're convinced that they need to have an arsenal of weapons and they're willing to use it. And they're so trigger happy. It is fundamentally terrifying. And the fact that they are trying to instill this unhinged paranoia into the minds of children is deeply, deeply disturbing. And then they dare to say that it's queer people that are so dangerous because we dare to suggest that Kids should just be allowed to be themselves without bullying or harassment. And it's just deeply, deeply infuriating. But at the core of this is just this core white supremacist narrative that, that drives just this unhinged violence that the right wing loves. Yeah, they definitely are unhinged. There's no doubt about it. I mean, kids should not have guns. They shouldn't be able to play with guns. They shouldn't. And, and the mentality, you know, to your point, that's being set up for them when it comes to guns. They really what these people are, they're just making future 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 themselves like minimes is what I that that's it. That's what they're doing to these babies and it is really horrible. And they don't care. Again, the fact of the matter is is that gun violence, that death among children at the hands of guns is is on the rise. And firearms have been the leading cause of death. This is some reporting coming from CNN. Firearms have been the leading cause of death for US children and teens since 2020, representing 19% of all deaths for children 18 years and younger in 2021. And Vice President Mike Pence still had the audacity, if y'all can believe that, the pure, unadulterated gall to say this at the convention. Ignoring the motivations of the trans activists who killed three children and three adults at that Christian school in Nashville, and ignoring the mental health challenges of the man who killed five people and injured eight others in Louisville, President Biden and the Democrats have returned to the same tired arguments about gun control and gun confiscation. But we don't need gun control. We need crime control. 
We don't need lectures about the liberties of law-abiding citizens. We need solutions to protect our kids. My God. And another sick part of this convention is the timing of it. The annual conference came on the heels of the mass shooting in Nashville, Tennessee and Louisville, Kentucky. Between the two massacres, 11 people died. And to top it all off, NRA leader Wayne Lapeer threatened politicians who dare speak up about gun violence, saying the following, gun hating politicians should never go to the bed unafraid of what this association and all of our millions of members can do to their political careers. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. So you wanna talk about grooming children? How is this not grooming? So first of all though, the threat that this man is making on members of Congress, that's number one, two, three, four and five in this. So LaPrea, the other is for the vice president to be so out of touch. So in one breath, you say that you talk about these massacres and then you label all trans people. So that ain't lost on us right there. And then on the other breath, you say that, you know, anybody that wants to take away, you know, don't take away guns. We don't need gun control. We need crime control. We need an America that understands that the Second Amendment is not absolute and that this, this, this obsession with guns is getting people killed. Literally, and it is, and it is, it is, it is sick. It is a sick obsession, and it's just politicians like Pence and the politicians that are at that NRA function. Because when most gun owners are polled, they agree with common sense gun control. It is these politicians. It is the owner donors, and I'm gonna tell you something. Lapierre, he needs to be arrested because he just threatened, right? I mean, did I did I did I read his quote? Correctly, let me do this one more time. Gun hating politicians should never go to bed unafraid of what the association and all of our millions of members can do to their political careers. Hello, Department of Justice. That sounds like a damn threat to me. Now you got an organization that's all about guns and the freedom to, to, to use the gun any kind of way you want, to have military style weapons out there in the streets, just wholesale threatened politicians. I think you need to be picked up and investigated, Benny. No, like seriously, and this is one of those things, look, like people aren't willing to talk about this, but this is the harsh reality. Republicans for a very long time have had the silent approval and acceptance of like these terrorists or the other way around, right? They give the silent approval to these terrorists. That's how they got abortion rights. That's how they got Democrats to stop talking about abortion rights, which ended up getting us a Roe v. Wade being overturned. Quite literally, you had all these extreme right wingers doing like bomb threats against Planned Parenthoods. Now they're doing it against anybody that is just willing Willing to recognize the existence of trans people, they're doing it to, to uh, drag shows and, and queer nightclubs and stuff like this, right? It's it's this constant threat of violence that exists from the right. The Republicans say, oh, we we well, you know we definitely don't like that, but they're not really doing anything against it. And like, what are the Democrats even doing on top of this to actually like deal with this? Where are the federal investigations to say like, hey, who's inspiring this? Could we throw incitement charges on some of the people that are pushing this? And the one note I really want to touch on, and this is what so important, okay? 
is what Mike Pence said in that speech, like right at the end, right at the end, where he's talking about protecting our children. You'll notice that that's very disconnected from the data about children being put in danger by guns. Now, why is this? Now, this is where it's so important that people understand history, okay? And take a look at the tactics used by the Nazi party back in 1930s Germany, because there are these 14 words that these right wingers will say. There are these 14 words that the Nazis would say. And it's so funny how many of these right wing politicians come as close as they possibly can to exactly quoting the literal Nazis on that when they're pushing this rhetoric against trans people, when they talk about crime. Cuz you and I both know they don't care about crime. They don't actually care about real crime. They don't care about like corrupt bankers. They don't care about uh, you know, they they don't care about like burglaries. They don't they don't care about actual real life crimes. Okay, when they say crime, we all know exactly what they mean. We all know exactly what they mean. We know who they want to send the police after. We know who they want to yeah. throw in jail. Okay, and it's not people in the suburbs that are like smoking weed or anything like that. Okay. It fundamentally, at the end of the day, it is just part of their white supremacist agenda and their language reveals itself. But they just use enough dog whistles so that if I say what I'm saying right now, you have a million people who say, "Oh, you're reading into this too far. But it's really clear as day to anybody that has any understanding of history. Yeah, no, it is. And everything about the NRA convention is disturbing. I mean, we are dealing with people and this is not the second amendment is one of the many amendments to the damn constitution of the United States of America. But they treat that amendment and a lot of these people Benny and I'm you know I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian girl. You know, I've shared this with the viewers, people have seen me all across the country and even internationally people know this. My mother was a minister, so I was raised in the black church. I get it. You know, and sometimes religion can be used to edify and lift, and religion could you be used to harm. Got it. Let me put that put, put the harm part in the parking lot. This is the thing. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. you no, know, there's a golden rule in the Christian context, and that whole golden rule is really connected to all the major religions. But see, they don't think about that. You know, what there, there's scripture in the Bible that says that when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I needed clothing, did you clothe me? When I was in prison, did you come see me? When there was random gun violence all over this country and mass shootings, did you do something to stop children from dying? And I'm emphasizing children because any civilized nation, Benny, any civilized nation would look at what has been happening across this country over decades to say that, you know what, it is tragic when every anybody gets shot. You know, in a way that's not, you know, self-defense of somebody else's life. It's tragic. But we're gonna put some extra special tragedy on that when people are going to schools and killing. Babies, period, whoever they are. And this ain't about how anybody identifies. This is about gun violence is out of control. And part of the reason why it is out of control is because we are a gun worshiping culture. And I'm saying that to the so-called Christians, Ben, because I bring that, because I bet you the overwhelming majority of them mofos that was at that NRA identify as Christians. You see where I'm going with it? See, they identify as Christians. What would Jesus really do? The rebel that he was, you know, the rebellious, rebel, revolutionary, hanging out with the with the with the with the misfits, challenging the power structure of his day. What the hell would he be doing? 
He wouldn't be doing this. And that's the only reason why I'm using Christianity as the key example point here. Because those people there consider themselves Christians and they sitting up here let babies tote guns and indoctrinating those kids and grooming them damn kids. And then they want to paint other people as the other, whether it's transgender, other folks. And as you said, when they talk about law and order, you might as well go ahead and say they talking about black people in particular and then poor people in general. That is what we are dealing with. And I bet you been, and I wasn't even there, but I bet you 99.9% of the people that was at that NRA convention were white. Guarantee you. And that's not to say there are black people who believe in the Second Amendment. Got it. Because there was a time that these very same people didn't stand up for black people's rights to carry guns. Look, we couldn't carry. My ancestors, some of my ancestors came up a time, they couldn't have a damn gun. These people are hypocrites, America, and they're dangerous. And any group, any group that would say that their right to bear arms is more important than people to be able to bear life, to live, there's something wrong with them. And there's something wrong with these politicians who answer to these fools. The Second Amendment is no more important than any other damn amendment. And guess what? The framers couldn't have never even conceived. And, and I would love your thoughts about this. I mean, I don't think that the framers could have conceived. First of all, they was imperfect as hell, like everybody else. So we ain't gonna talk about the racism, the sexism, and all that, because we're talking about guns. But Benny, even if we put all that, I don't believe the framers could not have conceived of the dangerous nature of weapons in a 21st century context. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, literally, people forget the story of like George Washington sending in the army to make sure that I forgot what state it was, but making sure that they paid taxes, right? Because they didn't want to pay federal taxes. And George Washington was like, yeah, we're going to send in the army, make you pay taxes. If he would have got met with a bunch of random right wingers from today with like AR 15s, you bet the Second Amendment would have never made its way into the Constitution in the first place. Yeah, no, that that is a very, very, very important point. Lord, all right, we're gonna stay on top of this, America. We we gotta do something about this. This ain't cool. It's just not cool at all. It's something wrong with the NRA and Justice Department. Lapeer just threatened elected officials. Y'all need to check. Go get them. Call, haul them in and question them. Okay, because he's dangerous. He just threatened a whole bunch of politicians. He did. And I remember when these people used to converge on the Ohio legislature too. They everywhere. They not just on the federal level. All right, we're going back to some more member comments. We have on Twitch Crypt, the NRA is pretty much a fascist organization to me. Look who's supporting them, totally agree with you on that Crypt. They are a fascist organization, no doubt. And guess what, they gonna get away with this unscathed. But hopefully, cuz I know the Justice Department is watching Unbossed. Hopefully they gonna take the advice <laughs> that Benny and I just gave. Y'all need to go and check this dude out because he just threatened elected officials. All right, we're going. Oh, Representative Santos is at it again. Everyone's favorite liar is back at it again because liars gonna lie. This is what this man does. This is who he is. That's right. We're talking about Rep. George Santos. Listen to what he said to Anderson Cooper. George Santos, sure, he doesn't have the support of his 
party on Capitol Hill or supported the party leadership back in its district who've called for his resignation or the support of most of his constituents who in recent polling say they want him to resign. And yes, he faces multiple federal and local investigations into his finances after he admitted to lying about everything from his college degree to where he worked and even his heritage. But when you have no shame, none of that matters. Today, he announced he's gonna run for reelection. When you have no shame, none of that matters. As Anderson Cooper enumerated the multiple lies that have come out of the mouth of Representative Santos. He absolutely has no shame whatsoever. But let us put up this tweet from the representative announcement. I am proudly announcing my bid for re-election for New York's New York third. This is about taking back our country and restoring greatness back to New York to support Donate Here. Man, I got to check on this. Congressman George Santos 2024 re-election campaign. Baby, just go ahead and donate to me. And let us remind you, the month after being elected, Rep. George Santos, the freshman congressman, was discovered to have lied about major aspects of his life, including where he went to school, where he worked, and about being Jewish. Since those revelations, a myriad of other fabrications, if we want to call that to be kind, have come to light along with the fact that he is the subject of multiple, not one, but multiple investigation. And the voters want him gone. NY3 voters say Santos should resign 78% to 13%, including 71% of Republicans. Oh, Santos, Santos, Santos. Go ahead, baby. Go on and shoot for the stars. Your thoughts on this, baby? <laughs> I mean, literally, if you only have the support of 13% of your district, and not even necessarily just the support, just the like, I guess he shouldn't resign. Like, you know, like that's such a, like, we're really, really lowering the bar here. Like, it's so he's obviously gonna lose, right? Like, he's obviously gonna lose his next election, which know, means. Baby. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry to interrupt. I can't. I don't know about the obvious. But, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> like I'm just waiting for the day that George Santos is like completely irrelevant and like he starts some sort of podcast titled like Just the Facts or something <laughs> like that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's gonna be something that is just too ridiculous. Um, because I just it's inevitable. That is just so inevitable and like. I don't know, to get 70 plus percent of Republicans to say that you resign, you have to really, really do a bad job. I mean, you're talking about people that are willing to support people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, okay? So the, the bar has been lowered. So congratulations on that, George. <laughs> but you know what? That is such a good point, Vinny. And even Jackson, right, when you talk about, you know, he starts a podcast titled The Facts. A, a few interviews ago, we were talking about him and Jackson White said, bruh, you would be better served just to leave the Congress and start like a podcast or or reality show. They will love you for this. You, you have half the trouble, you'll make even more money and you will truly be in your element. <laughs> Just the facts, but it's obvious that you know. On a more serious note, the man is not. Uh, he has no self awareness, Vinny. I mean, just none. 
Yeah, not even like a little bit. Like, or or he just has no shame. Like, or both, I guess. Like, really, he's just like, you know. I mean, it would be nice to be able to go through life so, so blissfully unaware that like yeah. you're just universally despised. <laughs> I know, blissfully unaware. You just do things. I, don't, you know what? You know what? I kind of wish, like, for people who are working for absolute good, and again. Nobody's perfect. So I'm not saying that people who are working for good are perfect. But I just wish, you know, those of us on the progressive side, like that we were kind of like blissfully unaware about what neoliberals had to say. We just keep on pushing on. Cause something, you know, the traits that like a Santos carries, if if those traits are utilized for the right reasons, you know, there's something about just pushing through, no matter, not giving a damn what anybody else has to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Meanwhile, you know George. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. sorry. No, George Santos just reminds me of this like legendary like tweet that lives in my head rent free, and it's something along the lines of like, I don't even necessarily believe what I'm saying. I'm just talking recreationally. Like that's that is George Santos in a nutshell. <laughs> That is George Santos. I mean, to be George Santos, I don't know. Uh, they say ignorance is bliss, I guess. But I don't think he necessarily, because ignorance just means not knowing. The man, I don't know. Maybe you're right, Ben. Maybe he is blissfully <laughs> unaware. So ignorance is bliss in this case. Santos is the gift that keeps on giving, y'all. We will keep uh, revisiting the antics of this elected official from time to time so that we can all analyze and have a good laugh. Well, that is our show for today. It was absolutely fabulous, Benny, to have you on the show. Can't wait to have you back. And for each and every one of you, it was fabulous that you were able to join us today. And again, I am on the road and I appreciate you all so very much. And you know what I want you to do about this time, I always, and I know it can be daunting sometimes, I always want you to keep the faith, but I want you to marry with that faith a whole bunch of fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.